The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. We provide original and smart information and insights for Charlotte. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. And if you like this podcast or our newsletters, we'd love it if you told a friend. The more people who know, the more we can grow and the more we can provide high quality information for Charlotte. Today, we're talking Charlotte professional soccer. Charlotte FC, the city's new major league soccer team, is embarking on its second season. We have with us today, Zoran Cuneta, Charlotte FC's sporting director, which I'm told is similar to the role of a general manager like you might be familiar with in other sports. The role includes assembling a roster of players, heading up scouting, player development, and overseeing youth development programs. I'm also pleased to be joined by Carol Walton, who writes the Ledger's Football Friday newsletter, which comes out every Friday, as the name suggests, during the season, and which you should definitely get on the list for. Zoran and Carol, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure thanks to be for here. having me. Zoran, we'll get into the soccer details in a minute. I know Carol has a lot of questions about those. But first, I'd like to know a little bit about you. I've read that you're from Serbia. You worked in finance and worked for different clubs. You were an agent for a while. What am I missing? How do you describe your background and what qualifies you to do what you do? Well, I spent a lot of time, oh, 17, 18 years working as an agent. I set up my own agency in London and um, represented a lot of players. Therefore, I got a lot of contacts with major players, major clubs. Uh, I think one of the advantages of an agent moving to this side, it will be probably amount of information that I have at any given moment, simply having connections around the world with the other agents, players, the clubs. I represented clubs, I represented players. Also, another another area that I, I think the agents can excel is is understanding the players, understanding the players' needs, understanding players' mentality, characters. Mm-hmm. So I think this this all all that all this is helping me working with them, especially building a club from scratch from a zero to to something that that really helps because not many GMs or sporting directors have a chance to kind of bring thirty players in one season. Usually, you bring three or four, five or six or whatever, but it's not it's not three zero. So. It's oh, yeah. A, I mean, it seems like a, you really have a role to kind of to shape the team. We'll get, at, yeah. get into that in a minute. But so you were in London when this opportunity with Charlotte FC came about, right? Correct. Correct. I, I, I was born in Serbia, Belgrade. I um, had a little information. I played professional basketball. I played for the under-16 national team and uh, I started playing in, in the main league uh, when I was 16, 17, a long time ago, though. Many, many years ago. And then basketball was my first love, but I always played football and I trained football and basketball parallelly, which is a I think Ameri- Americans would understand because there are a lot of uh, um, young Americans are playing uh, several sports at the same time. So the the Serbia is uh, the basketball country. Obviously, we have a current MVP uh, is hailing from Serbia and a lot of other players came to NBA and America. Then I I moved to, to study to United Kingdom and I studied. I've done a lot of studying, a lot of degrees, master degrees, a couple of master degrees I have and MBA as well. Then moving to financial markets and work there and then Around that time, I, I become interested in the whole soccer scene and, and agency scene. And, and I decided that um, I met some big agents. I wouldn't mention their names, but they are still very, very prominent agents. And, and I, I thought I can do the job better than some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. And I decided that I'd like to set up my own agency and try. That was a very brave <laughs> move, I, I think, for someone who doesn't have experience in, a, in soccer per se. But um, 
I had a lot of experience in Eastern Europe uh, business and also I know a lot of people throughout Eastern Europe through the basketball and through my connections. So we, I become a first Eastern European expert for the, for the England, brought low players from Eastern Europe into Premier League and Championship and then started representing some bigger names. And then towards the later stage of my career, I done a lot of deals as a broker. The club started trusting me and therefore they would uh, work with me on a specific deals and, and a specific targets. And so then what happened? Charles FC called you up with Tom Glick or something? As you know, with many after many years, um, you, you develop your own uh, actually network of contacts. And one of those was uh, Tom Glick, who basically I uh, knew for 10 years since he was a Derby County CEO, CEO and chairman. And in one of the conversations, and Tom, Tom and I had a lot of conversations, how to improve, how to make the club better. And the, Tom basically asked me, what do, what do I think that they might be thinking of Major League Soccer? So I gave him some ideas and he said, would you mind doing a presentation for myself and the owner? Would you be interested? I said, I don't know. I, I need to sit down. I need to see how you want to do it. If, if the simple way of doing it is to find the three 37 years old or aging stars to be DPs and set up a team that I'm not interested because there's no building. They're simply existing. But if you want to do something smart, something interesting, some build a club with a proper foundation, the young players coming through and, and for the club that be, once you leave, you leave not only a legacy, but you leave the very solid base and structure. And whoever comes after you is actually having a great place to work. So they, they like that. And I've done the 40 something pages presentation for, for Tom Glick and, and obviously the, the owner, Mr. Tepper. And you uh, met with Tepper and, Tepper and Glick, you had a presentation with them? Yes, yes, yes. And a few other people but within the organization at that time, but the, the, the mainly obviously Mr. Tepper and, and, and Tom. And they clearly liked what I said and how I kind of outlined what I would like to do, how I would like to do it. I, I actually point out that weaknesses of MLS, but also strengths of MLS. I pointed out the clubs are doing a very good job year after year. And I pointed out the clubs that maybe have a little bit more less luck in achieving not only results, but some kind of consist consistency uh, in a way they enter every season. Yeah. So, I mean, what was it like? You had this opportunity here in Charlotte. You'd been in Europe for a while. I mean, when you said, okay, I'm going to go to Charlotte, move to Charlotte, what was your impression of Charlotte before you came and since you've moved I, The first I came, I, I found it obviously coming from London, which is a buzzing New York type or Paris type city bigs, cosmopolitan melting pot, a little bit kind of a beautiful, clean, sleepy, Town. I mean, you know, you know we, we would go for dinner at like six o'clock, six p.m. At that time, you're still in office in London, and and your dinner is nine or nine p.m. If you're going well, eight p.m. But I loved it. I loved the people. People were fantastic to me. Um, from the day one to the day, we already have a lot of friends, my wife and I, and we actually loved it. I mean, for me, obviously, London would be a home. If you ask me where the home is, is London. I've been living almost thirty years now in London, two years in Charlotte, but Charlotte is becoming fast one of my choices to say where the home is. Well, that's great. And now here we are, we're entering the second season, you know, the club's first season. I think it's pretty fair to say it surpassed expectations, both, you know, on the field and, and off the field. And there was a little bit of drama, you know, with the head coaching situation, fired McGill and Hell Ramirez. Uh, that's been widely reported. We don't need to get into that too much. You know, the fan experience, I think, was a lot of people, I think, were surprised at about what a great fan experience it is having games at Bank of America Stadium. And then, of course, you know, toward the end of the season, the team made a playoff run, came up a little bit short, but I think certainly su surpassed a lot of expectations. If you look at all the sports writers at the beginning of the season who picked us to basically finish toward the very bottom, they were proven wrong. I mean, so how do you keep that momentum going into the second season now? Well, 
in our opinion, we've done a lot of discussions that the front office team, um, the owner, because Mr. Tepper really takes interest in what we're doing and we have regular meetings with him and we're explaining our strategy and how we're doing things, who we want to buy, who we want to sell, how we want to do it, how we want to improve the team. So the idea is to improve the team every year to the point where the team becomes one of the powerhouses of the of this league. So obviously it's impossible to do this in a year one. But even if you do it in a year one, most likely you will then go down trajectory will be down from the year two or three. So what we want to do is improve every year. So last year, well documented, you mentioned, we had some issues, some startup pains, if you like, some cultural issues that we need to overcome with the coaching staff and expectations, then also the, the, the behavior. So once, once we've gone through all this, then it becomes clear that the roster is solid. It's not ideal, of course, but then again, the rosters are very rarely ideal because simply it's the building up any club in a world, any sport in a world is very liquid type of business. You, you, you bring players, you lose players. And, and an idea is that to kind of bring the team together in such a way that they actually go and try to win the title, but very difficult then, especially in American sports, because that's how it's uh, structured. It's very difficult to continue building and, and winning every year. Uh, in Europe is a little bit different. If you go to Bundesliga, you know, you have Bayern Munich who are powerhouse and they win every year. And, and for a while you, Juventus, I think won nine titles in a row, which some people might say it's a little bit boring and <laughs> you're starting the league, but you already know who, who, who is going to win it. So I think what we've done, we didn't change much. If you look at our roster, what we've done, we actually strategically improved and upgraded the certain positions. So we thought we need a, a striker upgrade. We, we, I think we've done this with Enzo Copetti. We thought we need a midfield upgrade. We've done this with Ashley Westwood, who in reality is a DP level player. He's, he's playing on a medium to small time contract because he really wants to come to America and wanted to kind of experience MLS. And he was at the right place in his life to kind of leave. He has offer from Burnley for one more year and Burnley will be in Premier League. So he basically turned down the Premier League contract to come to us for way less money. But so this is the kind of people that we want in this club. We always, always said many times, we want hungry players and players who want to be here, not the money. If it's all about money, that there's a lot of clubs who pay more than us. And it's not about that we don't have a money. The idea is you don't want to bring the players who only play for money. We want to bring players who want to be here for the team, for the Charlotte, for the city, for the winning trophies, for, for, for leaving the legacy. Is it hard to attract players to Charlotte? What you're building here? Are the players receptive to that? Hey, you're, at the you beginning, can get on something at the beginning. We can build something here. Is that, does that work with them? Do they? Listen? At the beginning, it was very difficult because, of course, we, we didn't have even the footage. <laughs> How does it look? Now it's a little bit different. We have, we have a great footage. We have fantastic fans. The, 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 our fans, in my opinion, are the best in, a, in the league. I mean, you know, it's, we told you respect to all other fans and other clubs. Are, I, I love our fans. I think they're incredible. And they're clearly helping us and, and helping not only us, but helping front office, the ownership, everybody to sleep better and uh, to and to feel better because you know that you're going to have a, such a fantastic support and and uh, and the people uh, uh, around us and community that this this is great help. But I think at the beginning it was very difficult. It, it it wasn't easy to attract anybody because people were lacking Charlotte. Where is that? What sport? They they're asking me about Hornets. They're asking me about a lot of other things that have nothing to do with Charlotte FC. And and you know if you remember that we, we brought two players, Sergio Ruiz and Riley McGree. We didn't even have a name of the club. So they signed for Charlotte MLS. I'm pretty sure this is the first time in the history of the soccer that someone signed two players and paid up fees for them, transfer fees, and those players going into a club that don't have a name. 
So, but right now it's totally different. And the players talk about us and it's very easy. Last season was not easy to attract even the MLS players to show because they didn't know who we are. They didn't know how we're going to look. And right now, when I, for example, spoke to Bill Tuiloma, he was really, really interested in, in coming to Charlotte. He said to me, oh, it's a great atmosphere. It's a great city. I love your fans. I love, I love how, how the game looks like. He watched some games. For example, he mentioned the game against Columbus crew when we drew 2-2. And then that, that we should, if the r- rules and regulations were a little bit different, we would probably won that game and, and potentially have a real go at the playoffs. So, so now it's a different different ball game. It's a totally different situation where we basically sending clips, sending the stories, sending fans, march. Sending up the, the singing and the goals, the stadium, the atmosphere, interviews of the other players. And also there are connections. All the players have connections with some of the players. You have a lot of, I think we are, I believe we have a 15 nationalities in a team. So everybody knows somebody from the team so they can get to. And also we have a lot of contacts ourselves so the people can reach to us, agents, other clubs asking about the Charlotte, about the life, about the city, about the accommodation, the, the flights. All these, all the things, school for the kids, if more senior players who have families, they are asking, these are the usual questions. We say like, great schools, great, great family life. So, so it's way, way easier now. I mean, how do you feel about your roster with a week to go? I mean, do you look at it like, we're pretty set. We'd love to have a left back. You know, how do you look at that? Yeah, you spot on. You'd love to have a left back. I mean, and we're working on the left back. The, the, the window is open until 24th of April, I believe. So. There's plenty of opportunity. Then also the league is not lasting for the next three weeks. It's lasting the next many, many months. So I always said that my my mantra is I want to be the strongest in the last 10 games of the season, not the first 10, game, 10, 10 games of the season. Because, you know, the, as we showed the last season, our run last season was very strong. The last five games, they almost got us in the playoffs. So, of course, we want to pick more games. We want to be more competitive on the road. This is this is the area that we that clearly need to improve. And we will. But even this preseason that we had so far, we had the six games. We won four and draw two. If you look at the last preseason, I think we won one game against Granada national team. That was the, the weakest of all. Um, so I think it's different. I, I think the team is compact. The boys are believing in themselves way more. The, the, the coaches are inserting this kind of necessary self-belief and, and confidence in them. So I, I'm feeling very positive and with 65,000 plus on a Saturday, I, I think the, the Bank of America will continue to be fortress. I believe we won 10 games last season. We, we would like to win a few more in a Bank of America. And of course, we'll, with improvement on the road, I think this is how we plan for the season to go. So did I see this right in a video from preseason? Were you out there running sprints with the whole team and the coaching staff? Yes, unfortunately, I was asked and I agreed. I'll tell you a funny story because obviously the, I'm, I'm not much of the runner last five years or so. I, a long time ago, I was pretty good at it. But, but then when, when we start saying like, let's go, let's, let's all of us go. And then I jumped in, Bobby Vallea, technical director who is much younger than me and much fitter than me. He obviously jumped in and obviously the coach has gone in. And then because I was, I was running behind the DJ at one stage, he, he came to his point of turning. And I arrived, I almost had butted him. So, <laughs> so I was like, see, this is why I don't, I shouldn't be running. <laughs> because I might injure some of the players. <laughs> well, I think you hung your, you, you hung in there. So that's great. Um, I, just I, I did, just, just, yeah. Well, that was, was that right around the time, maybe within a day or two of when Anton walks past? I mean, to couple, go from such a high days. to such a low. Yeah. A yeah, couple of days, Monday and then Tuesday night, we had this dinner. 
at the restaurant outside of the hotel, all of us, we had a, such an amazing time. I cannot explain to you, everybody, everybody was talking about this preseason, having a most amazing preseason. Every single player, Ashley Vessel came from Aston Villa and barely 10 years. And he said, this is most amazing preseason I have had. Players were so full of energy, so full of joy. They worked so hard as well, but not one single player complained. And then obviously that happened, that changed the narrative, changed the entire, obviously, mood and feelings within the company. I know everyone, it's going to hit differently. And I'm, I'm imagining for you, Anton was such an important piece because of the experience he brought, you know, the being a, an expansion club veteran, it, just his personality, that what he brought on the field. I mean, so with you as sporting director, how did the loss of him kind of affect you personally? I mean, me personally, look, I, I never dealt with a situation like this. I have been in a compulsory army service when I was 18, 19. So I, I've seen some things that, that maybe, you know, the people, people tragically die, but that wasn't same as nobody else. We were not prepared for that. So I think the team acted, reacted amazingly well. We, we brought ex-military psychologists that night who, who are still with the team because I want to have a, a, a summon to talk to the players. We got very close together. I mean, that night I would never forget. And obviously the six o'clock in the morning when we summoned all the players and I had to tell them that one of their colleagues, one of their friends, brother died. It was probably the most difficult time in my life. It really, really is. And for all of us, but you know, sometimes these moments makes us stronger and makes the team functioning closer. And I've seen in certain players, incredible improvements since that moment in terms of camaraderie, in terms of brotherhood in terms of one for all, all for one, those kind of things. In, replacing uh, Anton is impossible because of one reason, because he, he, he was such an important part of the changing room, dressing room. He was this kind of a joker, if you like. He was the one that would always put the music on, joke and make fun. And he, he was a very gentle soul. He he, he was incredible human, really. It's, it's, I, I, about six months ago, I watched a series on, uh, I think I believe on Netflix, about the soccer in London. And it's called the South of the River. And and South London has a, this amazing array, array of, of talents that they're producing year after year. And, and Anton was one of them. And he was mentioned in, in that series. And the talking point of the series is these cages that they, these kids play in those big estates. So there's literally cage. So the ball cannot go out, go out. And you go into the cage and, and, you, and you fight. And there's, you know, you need to fight because there is no other option. You need to either win or if you lose, you out of the cage and some other team comes and plays. And uh, so Ant Anton had this kind of cage mentality a little bit. Rio Ferdinand came from that, Sancho, current Man United player, and many others. And they all talk about this cage mentality where they, they are fighters, they, they fight till, till the end. And if you look at our games, every time there was a bit of a kind of push on our other, other players, Anton would be the first to run and protect. And that was that was difficult to to replace. He was a he was a fantastic player and also fantastic person to have around. We will miss that 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 part of Anton. He is the first one to protect the younger players and give them advice and help them. So I heard a story about you going out to meet the fans at one of their chant practices, tifo painting sessions, and then you told them the story about that dinner with with your your team that that last night. Can you share that with us? There is one of the coaches that we have. We are we are doing interviews with him, and he has a specific role. 
in the team. And, and I don't want to announce now, but he's from, with us from the very beginning. He has a specific role and he's a fantastic addition to the team. He's, he's the unique role that no other, I believe, no other MLS club has. And then he came with that song. And, and when you have this kind of initiation song, every new player, they, they, they're trying with me every year as well, but I'm, I'm resisting so far because I'm big. So I'm, they, they can't force me to sing. I might dance, but not sing. And then, and then he actually came on and then started singing the song. And, and because it's a very kind of catchy song, I know that song from a long time ago. And then we start all singing and, um, and that stayed with us. And again, we start singing. And in the corridors, you start singing this kind of, uh, and then basically that night, we put it on around nine o'clock after dinner almost finished, an entire group sang. I have a little video of that moment, including Anton, and we all sang that song. But when you read the words of that song translated into English, because it's the Italian song originally, when you read the words, it's basically talking about the, the Blue Army, and you're talking about someone going to the sky and watching the Blue Army from the, the sky and the teams. So it's um, affected us all, and, and I think it's incredible that we actually got to this point to see this song that so beautifully reflects what happened and, and where Anton has gone. What does it mean to you that the fans came back and said they want to make that the song they sing every every week? I I cannot believe it. I, honestly, I, I love it. I, this was this was saying that fans are special. They are the most amazing fans in the world, and I cannot wait for to to hear this song because I believe that the players will join this for another, maybe even the staff. What is the song? It, it's called it, it's called Volare, Gypsy Kings. They have that version, but originally it's a different version by Italian, uh, the singer, but the, the Gypsy Kings had, has it as well. I love too that the international flavor it brings. You know, you think about all these players you guys bring in and they're the ones who have to learn English, you know, but so why, why not meet people? You know, let's meet your Italian and European players and coaches and let's learn that language too. No, it's great. I think I think this is what um, multiculturalism in a in a group brings is this kind of interaction that is very unique. The first player who greeted Bill when he walked into changing room was Enzo. So Bill doesn't speak Spanish, Enzo doesn't really speak English, but he came, hug him, and and said well, welcome in English. That's a close knit group, uh, I believe. That's great. I mean, it kind of it feels like I was I was telling Tony that. It's taken a year and it's taken a coaching change, but you guys have a culture now. And, it, and I'm guessing as a sporting director, it's a little easier to go out and find the players that you want now because you know what kind of player you want, what, what kind of player Latanzio wants. Exactly. We work very well with the Latanzio and the coaching. We, we, we know exactly what profile he wants. We, we're trying to find the best possible. I, I am against uh, making um, semi-good solutions. I like to bring the player that really can be an upgrade because I think the year one, we brought some players alone and that we're not, we're not hundred percent sure about it, but they, they've fit, fitted the profile of the, the, the transfer fees, loans, money, playing style and everything else. So maybe a previous coach. Now we have a very clear idea of what Chris Latanzio wants. The entire group now has, and we now know exactly where, what, what is missing. Uh, so we will try to kind of add. One or two more. We have also summer window. I mean, last summer window, if you look, we brought some real additions. Some Adilso Malanda, who he, he's only 20, 21 now. Sarah, he's, he's done an amazing job and he's, he's a real talent. Nathan Brand, a great experienced veteran uh, of many 400 games in England championship. He's done really well as well. Nuno Santos is getting really better because he's gone through the proper preseason. Last time when he came, he didn't have a preseason. Camille Josiak didn't have a preseason for two years. 
uh, because of the moves. He moved uh, to Derby County, then he went to the European Championship and played every single game. Played all three games as a starter, starting 11 for Poland national team. So we have now many, uh, Kermin Vargas came and didn't have a proper introduction preseason. So now we we gone through the preseason now. The physically, the players are better. Mentally, they're better. They, they, they understand what they need to do, what the coach wants them to do. And, and it's for us, for front office, is easier because we know exactly what's missing pieces now. I think we can wrap this up with uh, expectations for Charlotte FC. It sounds like some some of the the pundits out there, for some reason, have you guys picked at the bottom of the division again. What's your response to that? What do you think of that? Will you be using it as fodder going forward? I always knew we're not going to be where they predicting we will be. There was never a chance for that. If if he stabilized the club earlier, I'm pretty sure we would be in playoff last season, last year. But this year, the playoff we already said playoff is a aim, is a target. We look better. I hope to make the pundits wrong again. Already done it once. We've seen some changes announced to the system. You think that helps Charlotte FC? You know what effect will I, that? I personally have? think it's a great idea. I think it's going to give more games. I I didn't like the fact that. You can, I mean, we had, a, I think, New England Revolutions had it two years ago when they won with 73 points and they lost the first game because they had a three, three weeks by and then suddenly they came back and they lost the first game and suddenly all these that you done and very hard throughout the whole season, meaning the Eastern Conference suddenly goes to nothing because one game, I mean, I, I tell you one thing, we beat Chelsea, the champions of Europe in one game. Would we beat Chelsea in the two games? I don't know. I don't think so. I, they'll be a little bit different. So, so that's what I'm saying. So I think I like the fact that I, I believe that there'll be a three games, two wins uh, a first round. That will give a little bit more fun and excitement to our fans. I think it's a great move by the Major League Soccer and I think it's the right way forward. Would you like to have more players on the roster though? I mean, you think it calls for more? I I I already had this discussion with, with the league. We, we, the, 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 the certain number of certain group of people within a a GM group pushing for some changes. One of the changes is that I believe if they really want us to compete with the Mexican teams and Champions League and future Champions Leagues like Seattle done this year, they they really, a club, a club, a World Cup, they really need to allow us to have more senior roster slots. So not many more, maybe two more, maybe three more but or four, but you can't put the burden of competing on an 18, 19, 20 years old on a supplemental and a, and a, and a reserve roster. It's not fair. If you want to develop players, you need to do it carefully and slowly. Well, great. I think we're just about out of time, so I just want to close it there. I actually have one final question. There have been a lot of rumors. I'm sure you get this a lot, but Sir Minty, where do you see his contract going? Do you need to renegotiate it, or do you plan to deal him to Columbus or Atlanta? I see, see Minty done some amazing job. You know, it was a, it was it become a focus point for many, especially our our other clubs coming to uh, to Charlotte. So I. I hope he's he's going to get a new contract and keep annoying uh, fans from other clubs and 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 players from other clubs. You know, well, great. That's a great place to leave it. Thank you, Zoran, for sharing your insights and good luck this season. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsey Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. Queen City Podcast Network.com.